Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. to Season 5 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. I'm your host, Molly McElveen. So we are covering for this episode. Our guest is Sammy Junio, who's also our producer. Hello. Um, you can find Sammy everywhere on the internet. Check the description of this episode. I mean, like you guys know how it goes at this point. But anyway, um, we're doing seven things to do before I'm 30. I wanted to do a little rom-com moment. This is filed on IMDb under comedy, drama, and fantasy, which sounds right. It's definitely a fantasy. Sure. Of someone. Yeah, definitely. Um, but basically, the IMDb summary says, Lori Madison is a young woman turning 30 who returns to her Colorado hometown and discovers a childhood list of seven things to do before she turns 30 and finds that she has yet to achieve any of them. So, Lori sets on a frantic and humorous quest to accomplish them before her 30th birthday, just three weeks away. All right. Great. This is what the movie is, but it's so much more than that. It's this is made in two thousand eight. Do you know what movie this reminds me of? Like the style of it, or the entire movie? Just if you were to walk away with a vibe of like this is a lifetime version of a certain movie. Oh, is it thirteen going on thirty? I honestly think it's five hundred days of summer. Go on. I'll tell you why. There's this weird, quirky retro style that they're trying to work in for the lead mm. the whole time. Okay. Most notably, though, the, her, I guess, I don't know, the guy who wants to love her but that she can't love knows her favorite song because why? She sang it in an elevator the first time they met. Uh-huh. Okay, so I want to ask you, 500 Days of Summer, what do you have to tell me? Because I figured it out, okay? And I know who y'all are stealing from, where it's coming from, where it's going. And that's because I put in the work. So um, I will say that we picked this. Do you understand what I'm saying, though, now? I think I do, yeah, a little bit. It's very, like, this is the beginning of Manic Pixie Dream Girl Central for America. Like, sure. we've done Garden State, right? Sure, yeah. We have not yet hit 500 Days of Summer. America has a real boner for a <laughs> weird girl. And this girl is weird in the way that, like, you know, it's very Reddit, like, not that kind of girl. Like, yes. weird. Where it's like, okay, it's actually not that strange to not prefer you know, what some fucking basic chick who reads Cosmo. It's like actually half the female population. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right, yeah, I get that. So it's very not that kind of girl. It's very, you know, this is like the, it's like the anti-Lifetime movie. Mm. 
where okay. she's not that pretty. But like, here's the thing: the lead is fucking stunning. If anything, oh, you mean not Michelle Trachtenberg? <laughs> is is that? Oh my god, you're so right, dude. I was like screaming. I was like, this is not not Michelle Trachtenberg. She has someone else in her face too, though, and I can't figure out who it is. But you're so right. Now that I open it, Amber Benson. Yes. No, I don't feel like Amber Benson should have this movie held against her in any capacity. <laughs> and it does seem like she works. It seems like her work is picked up over the last 2018, 2019 calendar year. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think this is just an acting role that you need to say no to. Someone had to do it, but it's very, um, I'm quirky. Like, I don't, I don't have anything about my life together, but like she, I don't know. Like I, I, it just, mm, it was that right mixture. I'm surprised Lifetime caught that lightning in a bottle though. Sure. (laughs) That's like what, that's like, that's like them coming out with like a shade of get out. I see. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, oh, that. you like dug your hooks into like an emerging like sort of genre that would define a generation, which is sure. the whole Eternal Sunshine, Got Manic it. Pixie, like 500 Days of Summer, Garden State, like you name it. All uh, of that. I see now. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like this is their version of that. But again, this is sort of in the vein of like I'm Wed or Queen Sized. <laughs> Where it's like just sort of like opens up with a little bop, like an overly done like credits, which reminds me very much of a very Brady movie or something like that. It's I, like sort of seventies floral. Yeah, it just I I yelled like in the first two seconds when it started. I was just like, "No!" <laughs> like, I, know. I immediately was not having it. But at the same time, it was between <laughs> this and the bad twin, and sure. I still am glad you picked this. Good, yeah, me too. It was really light. I it was a it. romp, yeah, right? But totally. like, also, there's a lot to get mad at. Don't worry, <laughs> very mad. So it's um, yeah, it's basically like a like a little lifetime rom com like movie, which I find to be the most frustrating, and I feel like I want to explore that in season six, maybe. Okay. Season six is me discovering why these make me so angry. But <laughs> yeah, so we're going to just, I guess, go into this. Um, I should say that all of the title is in lowercase, yeah. except for the numbers. Very upset. And the I. What do you think that is? Is that Tumblr culture? What is that? That only the I. I'm this, I, I don't know. I think that somebody just like forgot how titles work i don't know i think when someone goes all lowercase <laughs> that's a that's always a, an aggression well maybe it's because this list of hers was written when she was a kid and she didn't know so her grammar sucked yeah maybe that's generous i mean <laughs> i honestly feel like it's much more insidious than that i feel like this is some sort of internet troll on us but it is only also 2008. I wish I wish I knew like the exact weekend this came out. I feel like this is capitalizing on an era that I was very much the victim of. <laughs> okay, so I will also say now and then came to me a little okay, bit yeah. when I was watching this movie. Sure. Also, I was watching it with some people and they like just the way it's shot made me feel like it was oh, like you an already al- watched this with people. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I had to. It's fine. <laughs> um, but it's shot like an alternative children's program like Beekman's World. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, and then somebody else. No one knows Beekman's world. They don't. But somebody it's else so said. It's so real. It's so good. That yeah, fucking it was rat, great. I wanted I to poke it. that belly. But somebody else said that it looked a little bit like, but I'm a cheerleader. Just the way that the, the colors are, especially in the beginning. I don't think I've seen, but I'm a cheerleader. Anyway, so let's play 15 to 218 and just sort of let you know this is going to be fucking quirky. Um, she's going to be, I guess, what we don't know yet that I didn't know when I started my notes. But what we will know is that like she's on some sort of blurred out background now. And the more we get to know her, the more that background will sort of come into focus and we're going to learn about where she's at right now. Um, but she's speaking directly to camera in her voiceovers usually. And um, they're used like writing the voiceover was necessary to set up the movie, but yeah. throughout the rest of the movie, it's used as almost an afterthought. Oh, Good Which one. is like lazy writing. Uh, okay. But like no offense actually to – no, truly no offense to Dwayne Poole who <laughs> – let's see what else Dwayne Poole wrote. No offense, wrote. Dwayne. Dwayne Poole. Um, while you're looking at that, uh, did this movie remind – the beginning remind you of The Truth About Jane? Starts with VO, starts with Jane talking directly to camera – yeah, I guess so. And then what it about goes like, to the birth. Like, wait, here's my life. Wait, let's start from the beginning. Like, yeah. all of that is truth about Jane. I was like, is this on purpose? That was the last movie you did. You know what? <laughs> yep. I forgot. I totally forgot about that. And you're exactly right. This I, is such like, it's the tool. It's the tool if you need to tell a fucking story and get it done in 127 minutes. That's uh, the way you tell the story. Crazy. Um, okay, but yeah, no, Dwayne has written a lot. I will say he's written Wedding at Graceland. Oh, big hit. I think he writes a lot of Hallmark, it looks like. He also was a staff writer um, on Hotel, The Love Boat, Lottery, The Biscuits. What the fuck is The Biscuits? What? Is oh, it's a children's cartoon. Okay. So yeah, I mean... Oh, Laverne and Shirley in the Army. He wrote that in the <laughs> 80s. Okay, so our man's been around for it's a while. A okay. I have to say, I do love the idea of Dwayne Poole deciding that he's going to write his own Manic Pixie Dream Girl like in his, I don't know, I guess late 40s, early 50s. I would assume maybe mid 50s based on Oof. the timeline. That's a move. Who do you think Dwayne is, Danny or Michael? Oh, I think Dwayne's all of them. I think it's much darker than that. I think Dwayne might be Lori. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but also like Lori's mom, there's a little bit of Jewel in there who's the, I don't oh think God, I've ever Jewel. hated a character more than Jewel. I, I wrote down it like halfway, maybe a third down like, my page. It goes, fuck you, Jewel, a bunch. Oh, my whole thing is very explicit about Jewel. Okay, right. let's get let's into go. our first part, 15 <laughs> Seconds to 218. I love happy endings. The fairy tale kind, ever after. I mean, when I see a movie and I know that it ends with a kiss or a wedding, I can sit back and enjoy all the surprises leading up to it. The thing is, life isn't always like a movie. Sometimes life is only, well, life, and you just have to live it as best you can and relax, even if the groom can't. His name is Dan Hart. We met in high school, and I knew right from the start that he was going to be my personal happy ending. But I'm getting kind of ahead of myself. Maybe I better start at the beginning. Isn't she perfect, Robert? Our little girl. 
Lori, Gwendolyn, Madison. Stop, please. Could we just stop right there? <laughs> and not only because my mom gave away a middle name that I've never really cared for, this is way too far back. We need to fast forward about 30 years. Past braces, summer camp, past college, the last month. Mrs. Irma Clark from Twin Falls, Idaho. I'm going to inform you that you have been chosen to receive a three-night, two-day stay at one of our many five-star resorts. Mrs. Clark? Good morning, Ms. Baumgarten. Ms. Baumgarten? Not till your rent is paid, it's not. I'm sorry, it's just been a really rough month. Oi, where does the money go? Well, scout cookies, the pet rescue people. You try to give to everybody, but you know how it is. Oh, I know how it is. Now let me tell you how it is. There's a waiting list for these apartments. Long as my arm. People willing to pay twice what you do. I I'm sure that's true. We'll expect the check by Monday. Okay, so um, let's set it up. We've seen another Lifetime movie that has the exact same sort of call scenario at the kitchen table, the Brittany Murphy story. Do you remember Brittany oh, Murphy's mom? That's yeah. how she made rent. Um, the landlords are these two, I guess, Irish? Eastern European twins <laughs> that I think that's right, right? They're supposed to be like Russian twins. Oh, I thought they were Irish. No. Yeah. They're Irish? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'll take it. But um, they're basically out of a Disney sitcom. Yes, absolutely. Um, She's not very good at her job as a customer service represent representative, which, like, I will argue throughout this entire movie that she actually is perfect for that job. But She's wonderful. I think she's great at it. But we we also need to set up that she's eating, like, a plate of <laughs> donuts. And this girl's, like... You know, not to focus on it, but because the movie focuses on it, she's has a very like normal or below normal body. Like she's yeah. very like it's an average bod, very average, but like average, like not in an American way, in a movie way. Yeah, still like, like slim if she was a real person, one hundred percent. Um, and so that always sucks when you're watching a movie <laughs> and the mom's like, "You're fat," and like slapping oh pastries out of her hand, or they just like really like hang a lantern on the fact that she has some sort of eating addiction when right. in reality she doesn't. Just it's like the it's nothing. like the fat version of putting glasses on an ugly like a pretty girl. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fuck. But this whole movie is glasses on a pretty girl. Like the whole movie is gaslighting you into thinking that there's something really wrong with Lori when she's actually a very pleasant, yeah. average girl. Yeah, definitely. Like we're supposed to be like, no, Lori's behavior, her problem is that she thinks she has a problem. But right. As much as it's supposed to be inherited, I don't think it is. I think Lori's just fucking batshit. <laughs> like, Lori needs a good therapist. It's actually scary when you think about this woman teetering on 30 and being this unaware about, like, her how her life has wound up this way. That's fair. Like, it's okay to be 30 and unstable. It's not okay to be 30 and unstable and be like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> that's, like, not cute. <laughs> 
Like you should know some contributing factors. I think her instability is like low key, which is maybe why she doesn't recognize it because she like, even though it's so obnoxious, the way that she like breaks up with Michael or whatever is like kind of self-aware. It is quote unquote self-aware, even though it's like really selfish and like stupid. But then also at the same time, this is a woman who has made time and money for the Girl Scouts Sure. Pet adoption. Like this woman's out buying cookies from Girl Scouts and like $5 to a pet adoption agency. She can't pay her rent. Right. And at, at a certain point, I will have to say, yeah, I don't think New York City is the city for you. If maybe that's San Francisco. where you're, oh, you think it's San Francisco? Oh, no, no. I said maybe she belongs in San Francisco. Some, it's some also very country. expensive there. Okay, Portland, what? <laughs> but um, I will say that I think that like she's, you know, like this is how I was when I was 25. Okay. I think like just like this sort of like, hmm. What do you mean? Um, So we go to her at her real job now, or I guess like where she does her nine to five. And it's the same job, but she does it sometimes at home, which made me confused because I'm like, then girl, just stay at home. Right. Why would you go into this place? She has a cubicle that looks like a fucking garage sale. Like the whole (laughs) thing is littered with post-its and like personal memorabilia. There's actually like a keychain. A, like a novelty keychain that she's tacked to the wall. And like, I don't know. This is sort of the office that I say, like, when you set up an office that looks this nice, it means you're going to be fired. <laughs> like, they okay. always say, like, don't bring a plant into work because, like, that means you're going to, it's like you're comfortable. I see. Huh. So she's very comfortable. Yeah. Um, she gets very caught up with the customers on the phone um, and she sort of like goes into their whole narrative. She finds out that the woman she's talking to has a baby. She has a friend who has a baby, blah, blah, blah. What she's doing in the telemarketing industry is actually considered to be very effective because she's forming a relationship. And the boss is overhearing all of this. And I don't know if you guys have seen Sorry to Bother You. I think we should rank this against Sorry to Bother You when we do our scale. Have you seen it? Haven't. I don't, okay. It's for me a former phone fundraiser. It's like a total porno, but also it's an amazing movie. But it's all about like really like sort of establishing a connection over the phone and being able to follow up later. And what she's doing is selling vacation packages, which seems like the perfect thing to be able to build a relationship with because her boss is watching her like make this phone call and he feels it's very frivolous and says that, you know, she's been like, offering brownie recipes, a hiccup remedy, a movie wreck to another woman, an extended discourse on the pros and cons of vitamin B. And I personally fail to see the problem with that because that is a very easy, I recommended you a movie. Okay, I call on Thursday and say, hey, do you get a chance to see the movie? I want to see if you're still interested in that vacation package. Nice. You have established a level of trust with this person, and that's going to make the final sale. A cold call on a vacation package is fucking insane. Yeah, it doesn't And work. this boss should be fired. <laughs> but time is money, Molly. It is. But also, he doesn't get it. No. Like, the truth is, is time is money. And she's putting it in by saying, hey, put too much butter in your brownies. We got to back it off and live a better life. So he said he's reviewed her employment history. She's quit 10 jobs in the last six years. She was a pet groomer, a department store employee. All these jobs 
in my mind, are usually taken to quit later. Like pet groomer, department store, like even telemarketer. Like I don't think many people are going into that industry. Although there certainly are people that specialize and are very good at that. I don't think anyone goes into their first telemarketing gig being like, I'm going to do this for a career. Yeah, but do you go into it like planning on getting fired? Because I think that there is also like a culture of people who just – continue to just get fired from their jobs instead of just quit. No, it's true. And I think that part of me also is walking into that mentally with, well, she must be looking for something quote unquote bigger Mm. or more secure. Or I'm also used to being in LA where people like will get a job with the sole purpose of eventually quitting it. Got it. Like what's Lori's deal? Because I actually think that she could be a very successful salesperson if she stuck with it. Yeah. Because she does have that natural care. Um, But anyway, um, this whole scene is sort of filmed like a 90s music video. The eyelines are off when she's talking to her boss. Like this scene where they're – oh, you didn't – it's like when they're in the cubicle, Mm -hmm. she's looking at her boss and her boss is looking at her, but they're both sort of looking at the wrong direction when they're looking at each other, Yeah, which is sort of like – honestly, it reminded me of almost like Bullworth, which is like I think a perfect movie, but it reminded me sort of of those 90s movies where just things were slightly disjointed. Right, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if it's in those – not in this movie, I don't worry about that, but in those movies, I always wondered if it was more of like a stylistic choice or a film trying to catch up to like where it needed to be. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. No idea. Think about it. I will. Um, it's also scored like a Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. That's why I like waited till the final music cue to play <laughs> out on that one. Cause like you need to hear it's like doot doot. And like that's actually the most enjoyable part about it is that you know this was truly scored after the fact because like, you know, there's this one scene where the mom like puts a cherry on top of Lori's grapefruit and it goes ding. And I'm just like, (laughs) bitch, you're too perfect. Like, get out of here. I Uh, I really want to know what they wanted us to think and like what I would have thought in 2008. Sure. Would I have thought this was whimsical? I was pretty basic. In 2008. Yeah, probably. I mean, this might have. How old were you in 2008? Was this probably 24? No, maybe when I moved out here. I mean, I had a closet full of Lily Pulitzer. Um, okay, so... Well, it is interesting to think about, like, was this made for people who've already turned 30 or are were on the cusp? Oh, this was not made for people who were 30. This was made for people who thought 30 sounded old. Damn. Okay. You know, like, this seems like it was made for, like, 22-year-olds that were like, wow, I got to light a fire under my ass or I'm going to be almost 30, a fucking chic sort of vintage moment. Although I will say all of her vintage clothes look like they came out of, like, a, a like a party city <laughs> mass-mailed box for, like, an entire theme of Austin Powers party. Right, like, the fucking hats. She's no. wearing a lot of hats. She's wearing a lot of things that I like the idea of. You know, like, I'm like, okay, that's, like, definitely a nod, like, to a certain era. I don't know if the 70s were cool at this moment. (laughs) I don't think they were ever cool. Well, they've come back throughout time. But I think that what we're supposed to take away from this is, I mean, maybe it was Zoe that perfected it with, like, the sort of 50s dresses. But the 70s is very noncommittal. Sure. 
Okay. <laughs> so um, then we see a little head slowly rise over the side of the cubicle, and it's oh like God. her cube mate, who we stand. And we're going to hear a clip from him later. Love him. But um, he goes, I heard every word. Are you okay? <laughs> And he goes, how about we get drinks after work? Just the gang. Which, like, why didn't we ever get to see the gang? Yeah, who is the gang? I need it. I would have liked Lori and the gang. Like, I would like to scrap this movie and just make it Lori and the gang. I would love that so much and see where exactly her co-worker goes and where he lives. Because if we didn't know how she wound up, I would think maybe she goes back to the telemarketing job and then, like... Lori and the gang is a show like this. That's how it could be a good backdoor pilot is if we just wound up with Lori back at the telemarketing thing with a renewed sense of self. And then we go into the series like client list. Love it. Um, so she goes to her boyfriend's photo shoot. Um, he is standard rom-com hot. That's what I wrote in my notes. But what you guys should know is that he's Matt Oleander, (laughs) Mr. O from Degrassi he fucked Paige he was like the young hot teacher that came to school and he's like I'm a TA from like University of Toronto and um didn't he like know her brother or something probably what was Paige's brother's name Luca was it Lucas or Luca it was Marco and Luca Lucas hold on I can hear his voice in my head. That's so crazy. Yeah, I think he did know him. So he plays soccer, rugby. That's more Canadian. Um, he was. I'm sorry. Why does Dylan? Is that it? Page Michael Shock. Why doesn't it come up when I right when I fucking type in Page? <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to work with you, IMDb. Dylan Michael Chalk. Knew it. Yeah, Dylan. Now I can picture Lauren Collins' little face going, my gay brother, Dylan. <laughs> um, which is so wild that, like, you know, Paige was friends with the one gay guy at her school and that he matched with her brother. Like, that's wild. Um, good for, good for Degrassi for keeping that circle tight. Um, so, um, she goes to see Michael Chapman, her boyfriend. He's an art, fashion, and beauty photographer. When we go to this shoot, every girl at the shoot is dressed like um, a mixture of like Jessica Simpson and Kim K and their 2008 yeah. worst with like, yeah. but like going out outfits. Like none of them are modely. They're all very like, hi, I'm Jessica Simpson and I'm going out not to a nice event, but I'm going to lay do. And yes, I got my <laughs> hair and makeup done. And like they all look very just like sort of mean girl. The vibe is that they're all very hungry. Lori is like slamming ruffles at this, <laughs> this oh, photo I got shoot. so hungry watching her eat chips. I know. Me too. Then I stared into a mirror and got celery instead. <laughs> there you go. Well, no. Then you pass down your celery. Like these girls are not even <laughs> there. She's like, oh, a celery? Mm-mm, not for me. Oh, so she's there and like we're all supposed to draw many conclusions from that. And then he's like, Lori, let me take some pictures of you. And she takes pictures and... I can relate to the fact that she couldn't find a face. Like, every picture was blurry because she was, like, trying to figure out what to do with herself. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, because they kind of, like, show as he shoots each person, like, their still that came of it. And Uh all of Lori's were, like, like, when I take pictures of wags trying to get treats, like, just, (laughs) like, fucking in motion. Oh, man. And I was, like, I can relate to that, like, not knowing what to do in front of, like, a photographer. You're just, like, where do I put my hands? Oh, that's deep, man. Yeah. But anyway, listen. So, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I did want to know, what did you think they're modeling for? I wrote Adam and Eve. Um, I thought that they were just modeling for the shitty art that Michael had in his apartment. Like a commercial shoot or like just like his own? Like his own collection. Did you notice the pictures that are in his apartment? No. They're all so bad. But they're, they're pictures exactly, that he took. I'm pretty sure. That's like very, um, I don't think any photographer would do that. Well, Michael. <laughs> Um, what's his face took real liberties when he wrote this? Um, <laughs> Dwayne. So, Dwayne. Okay. So back at her place, they're eating Chinese out of the carton. Classic movie move. She oh. doesn't know how to use chopsticks. The sound in this scene is so, they like really, really leaned into the chopsticks noise and it was just like, <laughs> it was really bad. Anyway. You probably listen a lot more carefully than your average person now. <laughs> Perhaps. Wow, what a hell you live in. I just, I hate everything. <laughs> um, she cheers up at the rom-com they're watching and he's like, what's wrong? It's a happy ending. She's like, I know. Um, do you want more wine? So she goes to get wine and she's going to get Kleenex and a fork. And while this is happening, Michael takes a ring from his pocket. He's going to pop the question. What a she, romantic proposal. She's like, hey, are you still doing Owen's baseball practice tomorrow? Are there cheerleaders for baseball? <laughs> I could be a cheerleader. And he's like, yeah, Owen loves you, which is like fucking bizarre, dude. Like this whole, it's like once this actually all, it's like bizarre in theory, but then when it comes to fruition, it's fucking insane. So she comes in and he turns off the TV, even though a Meg Ryan movie is about to come on. And just as he opens, um, his mouth, her landline starts to ring. And he's like, don't worry about it. Just, But the landline rings and rings and rings because Lori's poor and she had to turn off her voicemail, which is a thing. That's like a culturally set in stone moment. Um, it's her mom uh, who's disappointed that she's still dating Michael. He hands her the phone and she sort of scurries off to another room to talk to her mom. I guess her mom had sent her a book about 50 ways to use arugula. Um, and this is... We're going to learn that her mom has spent most of Lori's life trying to give her an eating disorder. Yeah. Um. So we see Michael coaching his nephew later in the park. It's literally the two of them softly tossing a baseball back and forth, Um. which makes it so absolutely unhinged and embarrassing that Lori is there in a sign, which, by the way, if you've ever gone to a protest, a march, whatever, you know the time it takes to color in a letter, Okay. <laughs> She has Go Owen in all bubble fonts, okay, black outline, completely filled out inside each letter, a different color each one. That time, come on. You know she sat there and mismanaged her time with like a fucking one fat Sharpie. She didn't even go for like the super thick, no, not a Sharpie, a Crayola. (laughs) She sat there and she did that all night for a non-baseball game with one child. Yeah, a practice. So she's hollering, go, Owen. Um, it's not cute. Um, so Owen hits the ball. He hits a little ball moment. Um, and the ball comes flying towards Lori. All of a sudden, we're back into the voiceover. But wait, can you like really also explain that there's no one there? No one at the park. Her, him, and her, Michael, and Owen. That's it. It's the three of them. And she has a picnic basket. A sign she drew. I mean, I would call the cops. Okay. (laughs) No, I really would. Like, if I was Owen's mom, I'd be like, I don't feel safe. Like, this is a lot. Uh, Let's play 
8.39 to 10.44. Looking back, that wasn't just a baseball coming at me. Corey, heads up! It was my future. Uh, what happened? Is the game over? Yeah. You're lost. Oh. Uh, and I ruined Owen's ow practice. <sighs> this is the only place I could find Uncle Michael. Is she gonna die? Well, let's see. Only if she's allergic to, uh, what is this, grape? <laughs> I love grape. <laughs> I'm sorry, Owen. That would have been a home run if I didn't get in the way. Boy, you don't know much about baseball, do you? <laughs> Maybe we should get you to an emergency room. No, 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 no. It's it's just a bump. I'm fine. I have to be fine. I, I can't miss work. Tomorrow is Monday, isn't it? And I need to prove that I'm serious about my job. One thing I know for sure, <laughs> I am sticking to that job. I quit. Imagine my surprise. That man just lost his dog, and he needed somebody to talk to. I cannot work someplace where common human decency is not part of the company policy. So just, you know, give me my severance pay, and you will never have to see my face again. Severance is for those who've been severed. Another 30 seconds and you would have been. Pity. So close, Miss Madison. So very, very close. Hey, girl, I'm so sorry. It's Monday. You have something for us? Uh, about my rent. We'll miss you. I wish I could like bandersnatch my way through this movie more than anything I've ever seen. Like would I would I would love to tap on like her coworker and be like follow me on his journey or like she goes <laughs> for drinks. Like you know, I feel like I could easily sort this situation out if I was Lori. I kind of just want to like solve it really quickly and be like mm, just streamline these things. Like you don't have to get so worked up. Also there's questions here about do you think that she got CTE from that baseball hitting her in the head? What's CTE again? That's the thing that the football players have that like oh makes God. them. <laughs> no, she started out that dumb. <laughs> okay, because I have to say the only other thing besides the fact that that does look like a major concussion in the works that she had, which is also, you know, head injury is like literally while I just made light of it, not to be made light of. Oh, yeah. Simon, Simon Birch is friend's mom died because of the baseball to the temple, remember, in that movie? No, but I am glad to know that Simon Birch is who I thought it was uh, when you said that. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I started to think like, oh, wait, well, I, sh I should know Simon Birch. Like, he must be a prestigious actor. No, I know. He's the little kid who played baseball, right? Uh -huh. Was he a kid? Y yeah, he was a little kid. Oh, okay. I feel you. Same. Um. <laughs> Okay, so then Lori calls her friend Jewel after she's been evicted. Fucking Jewel. Like, Mr. Proposal, quit her job, all this stuff. Jewel is um, a pretty suburban mom who's very over the top with her DIY snacks and overall momness. Uh, she reminds me a little bit of the sister in 12 Men of Christmas, just in that, like, she's 
very financially resourceful and we have no really no real idea why. Although the thing that she's missing is that amazing chemistry with a partner like Kristen Chenoweth. Right. No chemistry whatsoever with this friend. Lori says there's nothing she can do. Her bank account is is at zero right now. She can't ask her mom for any more money. Um, and Jules is like, just come home. It's time we had a good catch up. Am I good for you? Like, just come home. Lori doesn't want to give up. She tells her that she's not giving up. She just needs a break. It's important to take a step back and find out what's going on. So she's conflicted about moving home. Um, she says she doesn't want to be like her brother. And Jules like, it's not like that. You need to just like pack your bags and get your ass back here. And like, I, we don't know what's wrong with her brother at the time. I assumed it was very bad. Sure. Like her brother was like a real loser as opposed to like the actually really acceptable guy that I would tell most of my friends to marry. Like, yeah. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for like a fucking random guy. Yeah. I think he's great, but I think he kind of wants to murder his own mother. Um, Oh, yeah, that's true. Good dating material, I guess, for a little bit. But the mom is honestly, if you've suffered <laughs> the mother that long. She's just asking for it. I just, no, I don't think she's asking for it. I just feel like he would have killed her if he was going to. Okay, fair. She's tough. Sure. Um. So <laughs> Jewel threatens her child by saying, Anthony, I mean it. You can kiss this watercress goodbye. Just making little sandwiches. Um, so Michael practices proposing to Lori in the mirror. Um, she comes in and she's like, I quit today. And he's like, congratulations. They don't understand you anyway. Long term, not a great reaction to have to your girlfriend getting fired from her job. Yeah, not great. That she said the day before she will not quit no matter what. Like – at least ask another question. Right. So he bends down or on one knee to propose to her and she sits right down next to him and she says, like, this relationship, it should be easy, but it's not easy. I need to move home. And he's like, you can't leave. And he, like, brings out the ring box and she's full of dread. And she's like, listen, don't do that. I know what's going on. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, a ring like that? Six months of a relationship? I see where this is going, but I can't let you go through with it. Six months? Yeah, dude. We are not supposed – we shouldn't be told to like, I would feel bad not, for Michael at all. Not okay. I would not assume – if I was dating a guy for six months, I would not assume that what's ever on the other side of that ring box is an engagement ring and then be like so confident about it I'd squash it before the box could be opened. Right? You wouldn't be confident? I would not be confident that there was an engagement ring in there. Oh, sure. I would be very sane and say to myself, who the fuck is getting engaged after six months? <laughs> but, I mean, do boyfriends give rings just for funsies? There could be earrings in there. There could be a promise ring. There could be a little pendant, a brooch. Huh. Like, yeah, sometimes you get jewelry and it comes in other exterior exterior packaging than an engagement ring box. Okay. Which, by the way, is red and I think meant to look sort of like Cartier but does not. It's like clearly I, I, it's from Amazon. I have that box for sure. <laughs> it's what my Clatter ring I ordered came in. Um, I think six months is really early. It's, it's, it's way too quickly. And for how, I don't know, for how devoted he is to like trying 
to get her to be his wife. He's a hardened New York fashion photographer who has lost his mind over this girl. Yeah. Which, God bless him, you know? Yeah. We love love that he has love. And he's non-discriminatory in the sense that, like, she's basically a homeless weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably just not from New York. Um, Shout out to all my homeless weirdos out there. Like, (laughs) just so you know. No, deadass. Like, I really, truly feel Lori's struggle a lot. I just find it, I don't know. I think that it would be shocking if, I mean, I find it a little presumptuous of her, honestly, to assume that this man is proposing marriage. I don't think it's that presumptuous, but. You don't? No, I don't think so at all. Oh, I would be like, well, he can't possibly be doing that. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I just feel like. If somebody's going to be pulling out a box, it's probably going to be something serious. I don't know. I guess so. I guess so. I mean, you can stand your ground. We can think differently. No, I, no, we, I mean, we should think differently. I think that's (laughs) important here. But I also, yeah. So she's like, listen, I just lost my job, my apartment. I can't lose you two. The other shoe will drop. And he goes, there's no shoe. And she goes, there's always a shoe, Michael. Um, she says she's insecure and that she needs to work on herself. That's good. We stand that, Lori. That's great. Um, she's like, look, I really, 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 really like you. Carly Ray Jespin, first of all, we know where you got your song. Secondly, (laughs) um, were they not saying I love you? I mean, probably not Lori if she's saying, I don't know. So is Michael just on one? Because maybe this needs to be an an investigation into Michael. Probably. I mean, Mr. Oleander literally has never had great intentions. Spoiler alert, but the note that he left was just serial killer note that he left on her bed at the end of the movie, near the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. So much. He's He's a nut. He's a nut. I don't like him. Yeah, he's fixated on her. Yeah, he's like, oh, you said no? Like, absolutely nobody says no to me. It is very, like, stereotypical role reversal for what I feel in real life, like, would happen, like, with a straight girl and straight guy. Like, sure. I feel like the guy would be like, I got a fucking, got a boogie, man. Like, I'm not myself. And the chick's like, no, I'll fucking fix you. Like, I right. feel like that's sort of more this. They tried to do a little role reversal here. Yeah, okay. And in the process, it just comes off like two murderers. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, so Michael's absolutely destroyed by this. When she calls her mom, her mom is working with an interior designer on her home. That's important to know, um, just because she does say no animal prints. He's a vegetarian in this scene, which is incredible. Let's play 1455 to 1603. It takes a lot to send a grown woman back to her mother. But what choice did I have? Obviously, my life needed direction. And right now, that direction was west. My gut told me there was something back home I needed to resolve before I could get on with my life. I didn't know how to break the news to my mom, so I waited till I got to South Dakota. I should be there sometime tomorrow afternoon. I knew this was bound to happen sooner or later. Didn't I tell you you left home too soon? You weren't ready. No animal prints. He's a vegetarian. I'm 29 years old. If I waited till you thought I was old enough, I'd be 50. There's nothing wrong with 50, darling. It's the new 40. Like, orange is the new black. We're the trendsetters. Oprah says. So come on, I'll make you a roast. You? When did you learn to cook? Well, 
You'd be surprised what I can do lately. I've become very domestic. Google me a recipe for roast. It's probably under meat or something. Seriously, Lori, come for a month, a year, until you're ready. Forever, whatever you need. After all, this is your home. So Lori's mom is basically like that mom that Mrs. Baumgarten are the name of the um, neighbors, by the way. So they're German. So fuck you. I was right. Um, You're right. (laughs) I don't know if that's German. Who knows what their descent is if they're mixed. We don't know. Maybe they are half Irish, half German. I don't know. You were right. Um, (laughs) But I will say that like we all had that friend in college or whatever that was like, no, though, like you don't get it. My mom is like she's on a real one like she's fucking crazy yeah like this is when then you go to their house and you're like oh she is fucking crazy yeah because you always try to tell your friends like no come on don't worry about it everyone's mom everyone's mom is like that no 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 she really is that um she reminds me of my high school boyfriend's mom actually very much like her Um, so, uh, she drives home all the way home in this little car. I didn't figure out the model of it. It looks like a VW. What is that? That looks like literally like if I had to pick a year, 77, like a 78, 77. Yeah. That looks about right. Um, and yeah, cars. she's just in like a little, isn't that weird that like, I know nothing about cars, but I can always f- like tell you when a car was probably made. I love that. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I love a good like 80s Mercedes, like an early 80s Mercedes. Oh, That's my yeah, jam. Buddy. That falls. I fall in that world. The 450 SL. Ooh, girl. Yeah. Like, and by the way, they're cheap and you can convert them. But that's still expensive. So anyway, she drives home. Her brother says hi to her in the driveway. He's very happy to see her. Great. That's nice. Right away, we know they have a good relationship. It's not like the brother in straight A's to triple X. Um, and she noticed that he has a Will skydiving uh, printed on the side of his yellow van. He now runs a skydiving business, which to me sounds like a pretty good business in Colorado. Yeah. Like Will is painted as an absolute loser throughout this entire movie, but to me seems like nothing but just fine. Yeah, he's a nice dude. Really sweet, actually. Like, am I in love with Will? I think so. I think so. No, I actually really do think I am. <laughs> I'm nervous. So he's nice. He's Wait, nice. we have to fucking call someone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go inside and we're going to meet her crazy batshit mother, um, 1719 to 1935. I should add that she's holding like a loose fishbowl throughout all of this, like as if she drove across the country with like an uncovered fishbowl in her car. Bless you. How do you suppress your sneezes like that? That is dark, Sammy. Like, you can't not sneeze. Like, what the fuck was that? I suppress everything. Well, like, clearly, like, literally, the fact that I just, I, like, have never seen a human do that twice in a row? Oh, my God. 
No. No, maybe like maybe if we were recording, I was busy and didn't like, but no, I've never seen someone like tuck two sneezes in. Like, <laughs> where did that go? Uh into my heart. For I later. feel like if you got a massage, you would ball. Like <laughs> Yeah, I would. And have I you have. Got, have yeah, I feel like body work like is probably a nightmare for you. Yeah, it's not great. I avoid it. Would you rather go to talk therapy or a massage? Oh. Ooh. Probably talk therapy. Because you holding those sneezes in? Because I can still hold in a sneeze, yeah. That is wild, Sammy. Wow, you guys. Can you hold in a sneeze? Comment below. <laughs> um, I'm wearing my Tanacon sweatshirt. I love this, it. Just so you guys know. I know. We actually got uh, a note from one of you guys that he wrote to me after um, the Jake Fogelness episode where he mentioned that I was wearing my Tanacon hoodie. And I do want to let you know, yes, I am Tana. But two, I literally sent my friend Liz. I bought her the same day I bought my own TanaCon sweatshirt, which is well-worn at this point. I sent her her TanaCon sweatshirt two weeks ago. Molly. <laughs> I am TanaCon. It's been three years. <laughs> I sent someone a TanaCon hoodie three years late. I mean, like, is that my daughter? I don't know. Okay. I'm just kidding. She has boobs and I don't. So it could never be my child. But so she's walking around with this loose fish thing. Okay, let's keep going. 1719 to 1935. Oh, look at you. Oh, it must have been even worse than you said. Have you lost weight? No. No. I didn't think so. Well, I'd almost forgotten what you look like. You, what is that oh. new color? <laughs> the package said autumn something. I took a chance. What's that smell? I promised you a roast, remember? Um, uh, Mom? Oh, no! Oh! Oh, we'll do something about that or we'll have a fire department out here again. Again? Well, little baking accident last month. It was nothing. Half a column on page one. Oh, I so wanted everything to be right for you tonight. Really, I think all I need is a good night's rest. Uh, I understand completely. Tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life. Everything she knows, she learned from a cocktail napkin. <sighs> I thought you were going to turn it into a craft room. Oh, darling, I don't do handicrafts. I have people for that. And besides, how could I touch your room? It's just so... Twilight Zone. What's that? Oh, that? Well, that's that paint-by-number painting that you were so excited about back in summer camp. You framed it? It's not finished. There's a whole shelf of your stuff in the garage. Half a dollhouse, half a science project, half a stamp collection. Half a prom dress that you were so determined to make. Well, let's face it. You love to start things, but you weren't big on follow-through. And that's what you had your mind for. And did I mention it's good to have you home? If you want to talk, I'm still just down the hall. We can have half a conversation. 
Okay, so the brother's in like a all matching white Adidas tracksuit, but it is embroidered with a W on there, which we stand. She is wearing something that's very anthropology of this era. It's like oh, a shit. little bit of like a white colored shirt moment underneath a or over, yeah, underneath like this sort of, I don't know. It's like, it's like Indian Prince meat milkmaid. Oh, shit. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's very anthropology in that sense. By the way, like, I guess this is like her trying to be like them trying to show that she's haggard, but she has like a side ponytail that one might have after hours of driving. Sure. Okay. Yeah. She looks fucking normal. Like, she looks like a chick who's been driving across the country for the last three right. days. That's a fucking but, like, drive. A really beautiful girl that's been doing that. Like, she's also well maintained. Where the fuck has this bitch been sleeping? That's not like a 24 hour drive no. from New York to Colorado. Definitely not. So, um, let's go through. Um, mom is known to set a fire. Page one of the newspaper. We do know that now Will is very quick with a comeback. We stand that. Her childhood bedroom is, I don't know. I thought the paint by numbers picture that she never finished was kind of chic. It was really beautiful, I thought. Like, I feel like in terms of that in the art and Ingrid goes west, like when the guy just like spray painted onto pictures he picked up at Goodwill, like that to me, a half done paint by numbers is much more visually interesting. All right. I would think about that forever. Um, yeah, so we know that she's not that good on follow-through. She's living in her teenage bedroom. It's a really blown-out bedroom. It's it, her cubicle, but... it's But well, it's rich girl bedroom. Yeah, like, well, their house is huge. Yeah, they seem to, like, be doing well considering that her parents both looked like drug dealers when they had <laughs> her in the 70s. Like, her mom looked like she did cocaine off of her, like, pinky nail, and her dad, like, was selling in the parking lot. At she the looks roller like a ring. red-haired Sharon Osbourne. Mm. Wow. But now she's this fancy interior designer. I would love to know. They never really got into whether or not there was like a string of ex-husbands or lovers. But <laughs> like, whatever. Oh, mom's horny as fuck, though. Um. So when she's alone, she goes to her closet and finds a box. And in it, there's an old candy necklace. She takes a bite. Um. VHS, like a home movie memory moment. Um. An an address addressed to her brother that looks like a love letter. Yeah. And then um and then I wrote in my notes here, did she cock block him or catfish him? <laughs> um one of those little like wind up chatter teeth toys. And then she finds a list. And bitch, this is what the whole movie's about, okay? So she takes the list and she reads it. And this is very important um because this will shape the film and the rest of her life. Um twenty forty eight to twenty one thirty two. Seven things to do before I'm 30. Be a rock star. Go skinny dipping. Tell Will the truth. Get a tattoo. Forgive my mother. Dance under the moon. Marry Danny. Mom and Will were right. Michael was right. Even Mr. Webster was right. 
I hadn't been able to complete anything in my life. Not a job, not a painting, and not one single thing on that list. So one of the things on the list, is this is an acting choice, is is dance under the moon. And when she says dance under the moon, <laughs> she kind of says it where she like puts her tongue like just like between her teeth, sort of like almost as if she's reminiscing about other times she's danced under the moon, whereas a pure person would have no reaction to that as they would have no associated feeling. So I have to ask myself, Lori, are you a fucking liar or what? Also, how is it even possible that you've done any of, like, haven't done any of those things? Right. Dancing under the moon isn't hard. Like, skinny dipping, not hard. Right. Apologizing to your brother, not hard. Forgiving your mother, that's something you can do on your own. (laughs) Like, you don't have to bring anyone else into this. I mean, some people spend their entire lives not forgiving their mother. And right. And like even and and with forgiveness, right? There's layers to that. Sure. You can forgive surface wise, you can do it face to face and just be like, hey, I forgive you, and then go deal with the rest of it later. It will be a lifetime of pain. But like this is my question is what would inspire a character to be like, I should do more with this? I would look at that and be like not embarrassed, but maybe have compassion for myself. Okay. Uh yeah, I I just don't know. Did she say like how old she was when she wrote the list? She never really gets around to it. Probably they reference like, oh, because of the stationery, I know how old you are. Oh. And they never say how old she was. I assume though, probably between ten and thirteen. Okay. Um maybe they don't say thirteen specifically because of thirteen going on thirty. Which came out two years prior to this. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I almost wonder if like this guy's out there pitching like, here's like, you know, not like the other girl's girl. She's about to be 30. Uh Uh-oh. She has to go revisit this list. But we're not going to do it Scrooge style. She's literally going to have like a major regression after getting hit by a baseball and move home unable to pay her rent or maintain her human relationships, then find this list and then go through it in real time. Because wasn't the magic of 13 going on 30 was that she like literally physically left her body and then came back? Yeah, came back at 30. See, that's the worst part is like if, if 13 going on 30 was real life, then everyone would have seen her be a fucking mess <laughs> <laughs> for like a whole year while she yeah. figured it out. Yeah. That's that's unseemly. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> is it? I don't know. So mom is bustling I mean, I around like in the kitchen, and she's like, you know what? I don't care what the client wants. I need to make this nice. I don't know what that – I don't know why I wrote that on my notes. I guess, oh, her mom's working on fabric samples. So she's like, I'm making breakfast right now. Things need to be familiar the way that they are at home. So she gives Lori half of a grapefruit, and she tells her, you used to love grapefruit. And she's like, you thought I loved grapefruit. Um, her brother, who is a very slender man, and I do want to point this out because maybe she's just trying to maintain both of their weights, but for some reason he has a fucking plate of pastries and bagels. Um, so like, I actually hadn't thought of that. Like, maybe it's also she's trying to control Will's body as well. 
beef up her son and send him out into the world like a real man. Oh, maybe. And make her daughter model thin. I don't know if Dwayne got into that emotional work, but... Or Will is rebelling against the the thing, and he's just like, Mother, you can't control me. Can you Google if Dwayne Poole is gay? Like, I mean, I'm I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking if it's possible to Google that. (laughs) Because I feel like that would explain a lot. Probably. Because I feel like that would explain Wayne and maybe some of his secret desires. Um, maybe some of his insight onto eating disorders. Uh, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Uh, although straight men do have eating disorders. Let's be real. Um, or also, you cannot Google, is Dwayne Poole gay? Well, what about just Dwayne Poole gay? I did search that. <laughs> <laughs> and what I got is Palm Springs Gay Friendly Hotels, Dwayne Johnson's dog Brutus dies after. Oh, after come sleep. on. I just gay hotel swimming pool. That could be his plan is Dwayne Dwayne Poole drained or drained. He drowned the rocks dog to get us off the trail. Oh, shh. Because he's like, what will take over? You know, it's D-U-A-N-E. Oh, it's D-U? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> it unlocks a new level, level of Google, like right. Google. But no, truly, that um, sounds like a viable conspiracy that he, the writer of this movie, drowned the rock's dog <laughs> to take the heat <laughs> off of his own sexuality. Um, oh, that is a definite closet case. So she tells her mom that she's almost 30. Things shouldn't be the same. It's almost like the last 10 years of her life didn't happen. And her mom goes, of course they happened. How else would you have made such a mess of your life? God, that mom. I know. And then she hits the grapefruit with a little ding with that cherry. Um, And I liked that this movie in particular had a commitment to an aesthetic because the cherry was something that they made room for in the budget. Right. Yeah. That was written in like she tops it with a cherry. They wrote the score to it and they wrote like the scene to it. It's the moment. And I do like that. Like there's also this thing here for me where I'm like, well, if you're giving your daughter a grapefruit, why are you also starting her day with a maraschino cherry? The most sugary substance known to man. Right. Sugar rush. Right. And I think it's just because it's like everyone's stuck in time. This is also a time where we eat half a grapefruit with a maraschino cherry on it. Like it's like the Beverly Hills Hotel poolside in 1979. So now we get to meet Jewel, who I am so thrilled about. We'll also see a little bit of a flashback to the way she delivered her monologue in the beginning and see a flash of the list. So we're going to start to see like – that's what you're hearing here. 2313 to 2419. God, it's so good to see you. I can't tell you. I've missed you. All right, settle. Say hello to your Auntie Lori, or I'm donating these cupcakes to charity. Oh, nice save. Thanks. Here you go, Olivia. What do you say? Mm, wow, that's the best thank you I've ever gotten. I really envy you and Mark these kids. Well, you should have a couple of your own. What about Michael? Table for one. Again? Tell me the truth. Is this because you're still hung up on Dan Hart? Okay, I believe coincidences happen for a reason. I mean, I hadn't thought of him in years, and then suddenly twice in two days? Dan, please. You know, he never really took me seriously. Well, that's not what I remember, but if that's the way you want to play it. Well, has anybody heard from him? 
As a matter of fact, he moved back last spring. So you took over the car lot up on Willow. Well, you should drop by and take a test drive. And I'm not talking about the cars. <laughs> Anthony, peanut butter is not a toy. I wanted peanut butter to be a gerbil or something so bad. What did he have inside of it? It was like peanut butter with like some pretzels sticking out of it. It wasn't like, I will say that the way she delivered that line was one of the best comedic moments of this movie. It was very funny, yes. Um, that cut was good. It didn't stick with me so much second and third time, but the first time I was generally like, I would like to see the punchline to that. <laughs> um, the best way to describe Jewel's kitchen is like, she's just that bitch with a lot of stuff. Like, it looks like she, her place looks really lived in, like she has kids. And I almost thought for a second, did they film this like in someone involved in the production's home? Because it did have that feel, right? Yeah. Especially when they cut to the kids, it was like really oddly dark. It's like, what happened here? It felt like a, like a real family house. And then you also realize maybe she, her character just has like a lot of time at home goods because she's not making like cupcakes and just making cupcakes. They're stacked out on like a cupcake tree. Yeah. And that's not something you own. Unless you're either frivolous or you're making cupcakes all the time. <laughs> to me, that looked like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I think she makes all these things once and then like the watercress sandwiches, one time, one and done. That was a uh, – she bought a cookie cutter that day and needed to like make it a part of her life. Everything oh, wow. looked like it was very – which – is interesting because Jewel does not come back a lot throughout this movie. She only comes in to ruin shit. Yeah, she just wrecks shit. She seems very wasteful. Ugh. And I can Jewel. there's a couple pieces of evidence for that. One, her terrible children that are <laughs> going to leave a carbon footprint that we'll never recover from. And two, just like the random amount of like fucking baking crap she thinks she needs. This Jewel does not want to bake. She derives no pleasure from this. This is what Jewel thinks she needs to do. Right. Well, because, yeah, she all she wants to do is just stir up some shit because she's bored. She's got three kids in no time. Her horniness for Dave confuses me. Um, And we'll talk about this a lot. So. Danny? Danny. Oh, yeah. I wrote Dave here once in my note. Okay. It's, it's not going to be one of those movies where I call the same white guy different names of the same letter the whole time. <laughs> so Lori drives by and sees Dan at the car lot, but doesn't say hi. Um, and she recaps that to Jewel later in her room. And there's a lot of shots in this movie that seem very expensive and that they didn't need to do. Because what they do is they go from Jewel and her being at Jewel's house to her driving by and seeing him in the car lot. That's its own shot. And then they cut back to um, Lori's mom's house where she and Jewel are standing in her childhood bedroom sort of recapping this. So that's like three setups just for this one minute of time in this movie. And I don't know how they justified the budget in that because they also had to wardrobe her, like re-wardrobe her for this that scene where she drove by Dan's. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but and then also like did Jewel call a babysitter? Like I this is all the stuff I want to know. Kids are in the car, that's all. So Jewel's like, um, Lori's mom comes in looking very goth. Um, but like hot 
vampy old lady goth. Oh, and yeah. Jules like, looking good, Mrs. Madison. She goes, please call me Vanessa. And like, Jules should have never had that privilege unlocked because she's like, oh, have a nice night, Vanessa. It's like, so much. She's very much that person you never want to give access or privilege to because they'll immediately <laughs> start like abusing it. Um, and Vanessa's going on a first date that night. She says, it's just dinner. Don't wait up. So Vanessa's a slut, which Everyone's we also, horny. we knew. Come on. Yeah. With that hair? Yeah, I think also I want to get into that more. Like we never talk about mom's dating life, like sort of how she's been able to sort of float this life as a sole provider for a family where she seems to be working nonstop but also carrying her two adult children. Where's the money coming from? Probably Well, from it's a two-income household. It's from Will and uh – yeah, it's mom. probably from Will. <laughs> um, Go on. Or, and also, is it dead dad or? Dad's dead. Maybe it's dead dad. Passed honey. away. Passed. Yeah, so the phone starts ringing and Lori yells to her brother to get it. Like, And I think that this is us supposed to be in like, she's a teenager again mode. Because she's like, well, get the fucking phone. Yeah. Um, he won't answer, and I wrote probably because he's jerking off during one of the only moments of privacy he gets as a grown man living with his mom and sister. True. Um, like, good call, past Molly. Um, she answers the phone, and it's Michael, and he's like, hey, look, I got the big campaign with that teen fashion magazine I've been working on. I just want to tell someone. Um, this is, like, such a sad moment because it just reminds me of, like, when you have good news. And, like, the only person you have to call is your ex. And, like, because, like, they're the person you're, like, oh, who do I tell something good to? Yeah. And then, like, they're not there with you. Like, they're not on that level with you. And so they're just over it. Yeah. And they're kind of, like, he's, like, she's, like, that's great, Michael. Like, congratulations. And he's, like, it's it made me so sad. Like, because I just was, like. This is one of those few moments in life where you're, like, truly receiving information, but it's, like, not showing up in any way that, like, it's being given to you. Yeah. Like, basically, Michael needed to take a cue here. Yeah. And be like, she doesn't care anymore. Yeah, hang up. Get some friends. Yeah, uh, I'm too raw from a, re- from a breakup. To- yeah. A lot. But it is rough. No, I feel like it's really hard to find a new person. Like, even if you had another person in your life that you used to tell things to before that person. Yeah. Like, sometimes I just don't tell anyone anything. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, like, whatever. Like, <laughs> I've told things to people and I've not told things to people. And either way, it's sort of the same. Yeah, that's true. Um, So she hangs up on him, basically. Um, She tells Jewel that this is yet another unfinished thing in her life. The one great thing she really fucked up. And Jewel's like, okay, give it. She goes, okay, give. What's going on? And she says that Jewel should see the list that she made. So she reads it. And she kind of roasts her a little bit as she goes down the list. She's like, oh, skinny dipping. And um, she's like, what? I've never been. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's right. The whole body issue thing. Um, So Jewel wasn't really a tuned in best friend, I would say. She's probably the same best friend she was. Years ago. She's never grew up out of it. It happens a lot when people don't leave home. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It is sad to see friends grow apart like that, though. Yeah. And it's also scary to think that Lori felt like this would be a retreat from her day-to-day life. It's like going back to people she technically has no connection to anymore. 
Because if Jewel already has three, it looks like they're above like five year olds. Mm -hmm. How long has she been a mom? What is Lori's family planning journey? Like, probably unplanned. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Jewel. Got to plan it um, if you want. So we learn stuff with her mom and her brother is very personal. Uh, then we cut to the end of the list, which is married Danny. So um, this is super exciting for Jewel because she, it seems like, wished that she had married Danny. Um, I don't understand why she's so invested in Danny throughout this movie. Um, he's basically, Danny is this. And I want to figure out a way to say this without... It's sounding like incredibly shitty, but basically like he is a townie yes, and never left home. If he did, it was for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm, Right. And now he runs the used car lot and he is a very good looking guy ish. Like he's probably the best looking guy in that town. And at one point, the two of them shared a romantic connection at what sounded like their teenage years. Yes. So in what world is this like, yeah, go get Danny? Huh. Well, I think he's just the big fish in the small bowl. But is he? Like, who's Jules' husband? Because he's a provider, clearly. Right. She's at home goods every day. Yeah, I wrote in my notes, I'm questioning whether or not I trust Jewel. So (laughs) Jewel's like, listen, you came here to turn your life around and you should use this list as a map. Jump cut right to Lori's face laying on a tattoo bed screaming. She's finally going to go through with something for once in her life. Um, Obviously, this is supposed to be some sort of comedy like spike scene. But if you've ever had a tattoo, I feel it's very distracting to like watch this scene with any sort of purity because no tattoo artist would take someone who when you put the stencil on them is like screaming. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I feel like there's a misconception that there's not etiquette that happens in a tattoo or piercing place. People right. are very reckless for a place where permanent life decisions are being made. And right. you, I feel like you see like people be like, oh, my God, I'm getting a tattoo. Like, ow. Like, no, that's something you say to your friend. You don't post on the internet. You don't write a scene about it. Like, literally – Chill out. That could never – this is this is one of those things. It's like literally like hot air ballooning. Like it just doesn't happen in real life. It's a no. movie thing. Dwayne Poole does not have tattoos. I know that for sure. You agree? Yeah. So. Do you think he has his nips pierced? No. Can I get me tooed for that? But maybe. <laughs> Dwayne, hit us up. Dwayne, hit us up. If you got your nips pierced, if you don't, please don't contact my lawyer. Um <laughs> So I was going to make a threat, but I really don't. Dwayne, nothing but love here. Speculation, freedom of speech. Okay. (laughs) So we're supposed to believe that our pain tolerance is so low, which actually, like, again, makes me not like her. I will say that the tattoo artist, though, is giving me major John Waters vibes. He felt like his casting felt very real and organic. Sure. Like he genuinely is. Like this is where I start to wonder, is Dwayne Poole the eclectic man I think he is? Because I feel like Dwayne Poole maybe had like a hot, sexy theater company in the 80s that he did in New York. And like this is one of his friends that he's brought with him throughout the years. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. 
Okay, Dwayne. So, mm-hmm. like, then I see Dwayne. Yeah, he's employing his friends. We stand that. Is that too much to look into? I want to no, see his IMDb really quickly. Um, I looked earlier. I think he's, like, he popped up in a documentary or two, so we should probably look. I have to say, though, I mean, if Dwayne Poole is one thing, it's a survivor. <laughs> Like, he really is a survivor. This man has done it all. This man writing this quirky comedy, like, moment for Lifetime in 30 years after his career started, we got to give props. I mean, also, especially if he started out in children's television, okay, that might mean that his residuals and stuff were not in check. Because, like, children's television doesn't get the same residuals for writers as it does for, like, a regular primetime sitcom. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. So, Dwayne was probably kind of like, you know, living lean. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) The horror of Dwayne Poole, who has spent his entire life doing nothing but fucking working and being a nice person, probably. (laughs) And, like, here I am being like, you know, Dwayne was probably living lean. Like, the years that he wrote on the Smurfs, like, who knows what WGA scale was back then. But, no, like, you do not get – you don't get the same residuals. And then he sort of landed happily in TV movie land, it seems like. But he pitched everything from – I mean, it looks like he did a lot of what sound like Hallmark movies. Oh, man. And also, some of these links are leading to nowhere. Yeah. Okay. A Christmas Dwayne memory. Pool, more like drained pool. Am I right? Oh, that's Not so sad. Oh, wait. No, you're right, though. <laughs> wait. Truman Capote wrote on... Oh, okay. Okay. So, he adapted something called A Christmas Memory. A Truman Capote is A Christmas Memory. Oh, so, he worked with... I mean... Was he possibly alive? No. Yeah, he died in 84. When was this movie made? Oh, it was made in 97. So posthumously, no respect. Um, (laughs) But I will say that Dwayne got his hustle on for sure. So so we get a voiceover from Lori as she takes the plastic wrap off of her new tattoo, saying that getting this done was the first step in her going in the direction she always wanted. She was always afraid to be just anyone, but just anyone doesn't have a butterfly on her ankle. Fuck I wonder tattoo. if there was Fuck irony that in line. that. Was there irony in that? I hope so, Dwayne. I don't think there was. It was yeah, Dwayne does not have tattoos. This was a, a decade ago. It was a dark time. I mean, I have a butterfly tattoo. Fuck. You do? No. Oh. Um, I was thinking, though, the other day when I watched this, I was like, the way that like Von Dutch is coming back and like all these things, I would not be shocked if people start getting fairies and butterflies. No. Are we going to go barbed wire? I hope not. Like, are we going to see some TikTok boys with a barbed wire tattoo? Oh, God, I hope not. So her mom comes into the room the next morning to pick up her laundry and spots her new tattoo. And her mom's not mad at it. She's kind of like, mm, good. My daughter went out and got some last night. Got some tattoos. But, like, truly, though, like, I think that she, I assumed that she was afraid of her mom finding out about the tattoo. Mom was quite happy to see it. They uh, they have a they have a weird relationship. I think that by this point, Lori's just like, "Look at me, mom. Take me in. All my fat 
Fucking body. Look at my hate. fat leg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in hell, bitch. You're my I cankle told- with a butterfly on it. She's not fat. That's not. By how I the think. way, though, like the butterfly is super unfortunate. Like it's I a full it. blown like black and white butterfly. It's very it. like tribal adjacent is probably what they would have called the style at the time. Like where it's sort of like we mashed up nine styles of tattoos from this era and came up with this. Um, we cut to this is another scene that was a complete waste of money. Um, we cut to Lori and Jewel at the gym. Jewel has like not changed out of her day-to-day clothes. She's just sort of like there to be an emotional support source for Lori. Um, it was very soft comedy. Um, oh, I wrote that this was almost like, um, do you remember Audrey from Ellen? No. She was like Ellen's wacky friend that was like, Girl, like, what's going on? She was like, Ellen's, like, dumb friend. Every character in this movie was Audrey. Like, this whole (laughs) movie was just... How do you not know who Audrey from Ellen is? I only know of Ellen... You Like, I know Ellen. (laughs) I know Ellen um, because she is my godfather. But, uh, (laughs) no, I only know uh, the episode that Ellen came out on. I don't think I was... I wasn't... Uh, old enough to like really absorb it at all. Yeah, I um, I to to me, it's like kind of like the only other character one might know, like a little bit like Fraser, like you know Niles. Yes, right. If you know Fraser, yeah, but like you don't, whatever. So okay, so Jules all dressed up in a full outfit, uh, not ready for the gym at all, and she's like, "How long you gotta keep this up? I gotta go." And Lori's basically just like, "I'm I'm going." And then that's it. That's the last we see of the gym this entire movie. Yeah, How they, much money do you think it costs to do a setup like that? That's half a day. Uh, Yeah, probably. Probably. They have, have to create a gym. Or, or they went to like a hotel gym or something. Yeah, maybe. It's also like all very under the aesthetics of the film. So everything's like very pink and like very, you know, it's it's all this, this movie, right? But right. that gym never took place in any other part. They had to do wardrobe for that whole scene. They had to do a setup for that whole scene. They had to find a location, set Uh dressing, Uh everything else. I thought most of this movie was going to take place in a gym based (laughs) on that scene just because I'm thinking like they must have had more like money to do these back then. Probably. I mean from the like driving in the car scene. Yeah, there's a lot. There are a lot of uh, in the airplane. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of this movie is a little bit like, hmm, you had a lot of money. Okay. Like this, that's something that if it was a multicam, which I feel like these are shot with like the budget of a multicam, like there's no way that that set would have existed. Um, so Jewel and Lori go out to dinner. Um, Jewel seems horrified by this environment that she's in. It's a sushi restaurant. It's sort of like, I don't know, a sushi restaurant in Colorado, like you probably wouldn't like bank on it being like the most amazing experience. However, it's the best you can get for a a beloved meal, okay? It's a a beloved sushi meal. This is where you go and she's so racist, right? When she gets in there, Mm -hmm. it's very Uh these people, okay? Those people, okay? So let's play – 3020 to 3242. Wait, I should also say that, of course, this is also a karaoke restaurant slash 
Whenever it's like an Asian anything in a movie, it also operates under like seven different business titles, like mm-hmm. loosely. Yep. Always. So uh thirty twenty to thirty two forty two. New York. A little advice, George. Don't quit the day job. <laughs> Sushi in Colorado. Who knew, right? Miko, two beers. Now that makes what? What was it? Six, six of you singing so far. But which one of you is tonight's rising star? Who is going to be our lucky number seven? Somebody. Oh my God, this is your chance. You said you wanted to be a rock star, right? It's number one on your list. Maybe this is as close as you're going to get. Now or never. I pick never. Anybody want a shot at this genuine plastic trophy and bragging rights for the next month? Do we have a volunteer? Just get up there. I couldn't really. No. Right over here. Uh, looks like we have a yes. No. No. We have a no. We have a no. No, we have a yes. We do have a yes. It's a no. She's a new face in the crowd, and your name is Lori Madison. <laughs> How about a little encouragement for Lori Madison? Woo! Yeah! Okay, so you're gonna pick a number, and then the stage is all yours, okay? While we're at it, how about a big round of applause for our chef, Bob, making sushi for us all night, because that's how he rolls. Okay, are you ready? Okay, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the song stylings of Lori Madison. Juice Newton. Juice Nudie. <laughs> oh, Dwayne Poole is gay. Dwayne <laughs> Poole. I feel like I just locked a secret, unlocked a secret clip on the internet. Like, oh, I don't know, like, where Juice Newton. Okay, that's his jam. Oh, wow. Wow. I feel like ashamed for not knowing this. Oh, do you think that um, she sang it for real? That's Juice Newton as well. It's a different version. No, of no, Juice no. Newton. I mean, in the movie. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, good call. Okay, so Dan is incredibly seduced um, by this. Absolutely. When he sees this, he's like, oh, my God, where has she been all these years? Um, at one point, she crawls across the table a little bit like a leopard. We're getting a little sexy mm-hmm. leopard moment. She winds up winning the talent contest. Um, this is the hottest thing he has ever seen. He can't believe someone would sing like this to him. He's blown away. Ugh. 
He's a simple man. He is a simple man. And there's something to appreciate about that until you can't appreciate it anymore. <laughs> sure. Um, like, who wouldn't be, like, just, like, <laughs> sort of thrilled with someone who, like, thinks your low-level best is, like, incredible? That's, like, a really sweet thing. I think we all want a husband that's supportive. Yeah, but the novelty of that gets wears out. And then you're just like, they're stupid. Yeah. Um. So he's like, what are you doing back in town? And she's like, just having dinner with Jewel. Jewel is in the booth. And she's waving her arm like, hey, Dan. Like, she wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah. She, like, Jewel and mom, horny as hell. So um, she thought he was off seeing the world this whole time. And he's like, been there, done that. We never learn more about that. He points to her trophy and he's like, I like the bling. Um, this man cannot get off the subject of what he's been doing with his life fast enough. Big warning sign. <laughs> she asks him about the car lot and he's like, yeah, it's the old lot. It's really the old lot. It still has the shag carpeting in it. You should come by. So a girl comes up to them. She looks like my ex's sister-in-law. Like she looks like a very like kind of – not wasp, wasp adjacent. She is like a, just like a blonde girl with a fucking Michael Kors bag and some curly hair and a pretty clean makeup look and like pulled together and professional. Looks like she has had her bills on auto pay and pays her taxes for a while. Um, probably from money, but nothing crazy. Um, just to sort of paint you a picture. So she's Meredith Vargas. Meredith has heard of Lori before. She says, of course she's heard of her. She was Dan's first crush. News to us. We didn't even know basically the way that she wrote Mary Dan on that list. Dan could have never known she existed. Yeah, definitely. Not the case. This is someone that she had a relationship with and could have easily reached out to at any point up until this moment. So when we go back into the monologue setup, we pull back a bit and we now see that she's in a grade school classroom. And when we hear the sound of the charm that we're going to hear in this clip, it's like a little chime moment. Um, that's her looking at her list. So um, it's about to be a time to apologize to Will. Let's play 3520 to 3755. Okay, so for five minutes, I was a rock star. I faced my fears, I sang like nobody was listening, and it was actually fun. But who cares about that when Dan is engaged to a woman who was maybe in diapers when we were dating? She's barely 20. A younger woman. Shocking. Uh, seriously, she's like way too thin for him. Did I say thin? I meant young. Too young. And you should see the way she looks at him. Oh my god, like a piece of meat. Ugh. It's just wrong, don't you think? At my age, still living with mom, I'm the last person to judge. So what do you think? These colors work for you? Do you remember Carol Cole? The first great love of my life? You never liked Carol? Why bring her up after all these years? She and her family moved back east a few years ago, right? And you wrote her a letter or something? Yeah, I poured my heart out. Told her if she didn't write back, I'd never bother her again. And? She didn't write back. She wrote back. A long, mushy letter about how much she loved you and how you were the only one. Lots of hearts and flowers. Frankly, it was a little embarrassing. And you know this because? Because I read it. 
I was young and stupid, and you're right. I didn't like her. I thought you could do a lot better. So you what? You threw it out? No, that would be very wrong. I just didn't deliver it. She wanted to marry me. She was just trying to get your attention. She always knew how to play you. And you didn't trust me with my own life. I didn't want you to get hurt. Look, it made sense at the time, but I was wrong, and I'm so sorry. So, so, so sorry. That's three so's. Four if you count the first one. How typical. One stupid letter. How does that rate a typical? It's not only the stupid letter. You've never trusted me. Not to make my own decisions, not to drive your car, not even to feed your dumb goldfish when you were at summer camp. Look, I'm just trying to apologize here. If there's anything I can do to make up for hiding your letter and to prove to you that I trust you, just tell me. I put myself in your hands. I'll do anything. Anything. Okay. So sh- I agree, Wags. It's very fucked up that she cockblocked her brother for over a decade. Okay. For someone who talks about Will like she doesn't care about him at all, yeah. like he's the family weirdo, she's sure got in the way of the rest of his life. She she derailed his life big time. I like, and and it'll turn out that maybe not so much, but like she definitely carried on this secret and went about her life in a way that makes me question. I mean, I wrote in my notes, Lori is gross. She deserves Jewel. Like, (laughs) that's how I felt. Like, she, like, and when you leave this scene, you're like, she broke him as a human being and then moved off to New York. Like, and if we're supposed to believe that she was a once popular girl, which we'll find out throughout this movie more and more, that she was actually relatively popular. um, What a bitch. Yeah. Now I have a couple questions here. Go on. I've had a couple realizations over the week that are, well, one realization and then also this movie and they are not connected, but they are. (laughs) So um, do you remember when Jessica Simpson wore a very unflattering pair of denim jeans? Like looking back, they're not as unflattering as they could have been, Uh but they were like, quote unquote, mom jeans. And she looked, quote unquote, fat. And like this was, it was 2008 and it was this moment where everyone was like the hot girl that we once knew and loved on newlyweds is now like a big fatso. (laughs) I think I do remember this. And then there was like backlash from it. And she went around the world and did like a series called like the truth of beauty where she went to like every different part of the country or part of the world and figured out what beauty means to them. Now, in those pictures, which if I were to show you them today, which I will – she looks like a normal person, like literally just like very average. She was a size eight, which is also right. not particularly big. And also we have to remember just, it's not big at all, but we have to remember Jessica Simpson is a chesty girl. Right. Isn't she tall too or no? I think she's, she's short, but like sometimes that can almost be worse. Right. Okay. So I'm going to show you these pictures now. My other question to you, because we yes. both just took a pee break, was I said, let's talk about casting. Yes. Because I'm noticing that they have put her here in this. So this is her. And like, by okay. the way, the yeah, denim is, the denim the is atrocious. But like, there are actually some pictures in this photo thing where she's very much reaching 
our average American standard of beauty. Yeah. Like, you know, she's got like her fucking, well, in that picture, she has a non-existent ass. But like, you know, she's like fucking killing it. She's yeah. fine. She just is wearing bad denim. If anything, this looks like a result of over shopping to me where someone's like, we just have to sure. put you in this. So we have to figure out a way to make the jeans work. The belt was a mistake. The belt was a sin. <laughs> this woman was not, nor has she ever been, fat no by any means and america like completely persecuted her for this now we look at this movie where this whole character's like bit is about how she's borderline obese apparently yeah Yeah. and how meredith is so skinny and she's not and like i think that i don't know what they did in the casting of this movie but it's actually almost scary to think that this is the ingenue they settled upon who was also supposedly like hippie or big i think kate winslet also suffered a huge curveball with that in titanic where she was not a a heavier woman really at all yeah but she's not a typical ingenue this girl is like fucking flawlessly beautiful put her in a cover girl ad like she has that total like cover girl model face Mm -hmm. right definitely where the fuck does her body come in? So I think they might have done some dressing here because if you notice, she wears a lot of um, like very like empire waist tops, which were also of the style back then where you'd have a tighter fitting bodice and then just like a flowy top. Oh, So sure. it might imply. And then they also do layering with her as well. Uh-huh. But like – I really have to ask myself, I know truly that the 2000 body standard, like body image standards things was very fucked up. Yes. Because for when you look at that picture of what looks to be a very healthy Jessica Simpson, a Jessica Simpson that would be celebrated in our time for being like a very beautiful woman, that was her falling off back then. Right. And so granted the... I, I I don't know. I think it like one is an indication of how toxic the early 2000s were with weight. Sure. And like that was very much like there was a pleasure and pain that America took and like seeing someone like a Nicole Richie or a Lindsay Lohan on the beach like looking skeletal, right? But also just sort of the other extreme that we've gone to with body standards now where it's like like we got high value fat now, quote unquote. I'm doing quotes right now. So it's like you want a fat ass and you want a f- and you want like big boobs or whatever else, right? You want nice thighs. How are we if we go back into early 2000s standards, which we probably will based on the curve of time? Okay. How the fuck is one's human body supposed to come back from that? Not. It's not. It's not. And like it almost makes me feel hopeful that we'll come to a happy medium somewhere and that unfortunately it might be the Kardashians who have helped get us there. Yeah. Well, where I think it's like they've set a very American standard of beauty Yeah, and there's no going back from what they've done to their bodies. I don't think. No. Because they've all, I mean, like, that's the, I mean, it's not the elephant in the room. Like, we all know it, but no one really says it. Like, their bodies are all surgically modified to another degree. Yeah, totally. What are we going to do? Because Jessica Simpson, what she was working with in that picture is closer to a Kardashian body Mm -hmm. than the the girl in this movie that they're calling fat, who's probably a size six and layered. Yeah. I I think, I mean, I'd like to think that the, it, that it wouldn't swing back to the crazy 2000s standards. 
I think that they're like, I don't think that there is room for, I mean, I'd like to think that there isn't any room for a backswing of that because the body positivity movement is so like hard that if someone were to show up looking quote unquote heroin chic, like to like, Dude. a modeling staffing, yeah. maybe like the fashion designers will like it, but the people will not. No, the people won't at all. Um, but yeah, cause like, I mean, looking at the generations that are coming up now, I don't think that they have it in their hearts to like be like the 2000s. I like, like deal with that. Tweeted about this yesterday. I literally in my Instagram explore page came across this like I don't know. I think they're like teen influencers. I've never seen them. But one girl's like literally a size zero, double zero, rail thin, bless, repressed knees. Pray for Sammy. Sammy, like fucking upsetting. Okay, so um, she's like very tiny. And she has a little bit of like a pooch, like every, like, just like that's where her body is. And people were like, is she, like, the caption was like, is so and so pregnant? And people were like, it's her womb. Like, let her be. It's that's where her womb is. And like, I was like, that is so woke that, like, first of all, and I had like two guys in my comments who were like, no, like, that's like natural fat. And I was like, no, 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 no. On a man, that's where a womb wouldn't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is that that girl's womb popping through the bodycon dress? No, but it's a nice margin of error you just gave. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Like, by the way, why are we wearing bodycons? What the fuck's up with that? <laughs> okay. So this whole scene is like really messed up. We find out now that the anything Lori is willing to do is jump out of a plane with her brother. And the juxtaposition of this man being a financial loser and also running a skydiving company in Colorado and also being someone who's a fucking pussy is so wild to me. Because, like, he... How is he all of these things at once? I feel like they should have cast Will and then rewritten a little bit to him. You think so? Yeah. Because he can't be a loser financially running a skydiving company in one of the most beautiful, like, states in the world and a complete bitch boy. Is he a loser financially? Did they say that? Or is he just I mean, they basically talk about Will being a flop throughout the moment we hear of him until you kind of, like, get that he's a loser. But well, maybe it does. Maybe he is wealthy and just lives with his mom. Or maybe he's just one of those people that like starts businesses and they fail. But and this is the one that we end up knowing Will as. See, that maybe. would be interesting because then it implies a parental issue. Because Which, it's like it's you've raised issue. two kids that can't finish shit. They're too afraid. I would have loved to see remnants of Will's. I mean, they had the budget. They could have cut the gym scene and shown that Will had, like, a bunch of projects in the garage. Yeah. Um. So she tries to pussy out as she jumps out of the plane, but Will's like, relax. And then right before they jump out of the plane, he goes, oh, and after she didn't hear from me, Carol called me and we broke up anyway. And Lori's furious. She's like, you knew the whole time. And then he throws him out of the plane. I literally, like... If I was Lori, I would be so humbled by the experience of forgiveness for my brother after I held a secret that could have changed his life above his head for 12 years. I mean, if she's 29, I assume she left home at 18. This could have been a 14-year secret 
depending on when this came in. So, um, basically, her, I guess Will's business is a little bit of a flop because from what I know of skydiving, you have to very intentionally land somewhere. And where Lori and her brother land is Dan's used car salesman lot. Right. Fun. Yeah. For the story, also just like so dangerous. And he goes, yeah, Lori, what the hell? And she goes, well, you did say to drop in if I was ever in the area. Oh, man. I love that Lori's got like her, she's got her humor to rest on. She does. She's very, quote unquote, quick. Um, I love it when someone writes a quick character in a movie, but they're also like, it's just, it's a movie of this pace. So it's like medium quick. I see. And then we as a user or a user, <laughs> we as a viewer are supposed to be like, okay, I guess that's, she's sharp witted. So Dan and Lori talk in the park. She asked him about his engagement and he's like, well, I loved her. It's the next logical step. Why not? So they stop and then they get ice cream and he is like, oh, and don't forget the nuts. And I, we, for a moment, we're is supposed to be any? like, oh, is she, is he talking about Meredith's nuts? His nuts? Whose nuts is he talking about? <laughs> but no, he just remembers from 20 years ago that Lori doesn't like nuts. And so that means they're supposed to be together forever. Um, they talk about skydiving. She says it was an unexpected complication. She's trying to check off her list of seven things to do before she's 30. Dan asks what's next on her list. And she says she won't, um, he says he won't give up until she tells him. So we go on uh, into her talking head, and she says that she's embarrassed. Who hasn't gone skinny dipping besides her? So she's never been comfortable with her body. There was so much of it, and her mom reminded her of, of it all the time, but now it's time for her to get comfortable. She calls around to public pools and schedules a time for her to go skinny dipping. That's so dumb. Which I'm pretty sure is illegal. Definitely illegal. Like, But also she makes the time to call. Which so, is, yeah. you know, I mean, yes, it takes the sting off the spontaneity of it. The whole act of skinny dipping is supposed to be like, fuck it. Yeah, it's to, not like a scheduled item. Yeah, it's just to break the rules and you can't. Imagine calling, like if you had to call a pool right now <laughs> to be like, I would like to rent an hour. Where would you start to pick a pool that might be, if you were to take your bathing suit off, that they might look the other way? Oh, there's a public pool in Glendale that I would probably try. You would try the Glendale public pool. Yeah, totally. They would have you arrested. <laughs> Glendale is one of the safest cities in America. No adults. Wait, we have a public pool? Yeah. It's in a rec center, I think. Are people in it? We can rent it out. <laughs> well, no, I don't mean like right now. I just, just mean gonna... like generally, is it a populated pool? Uh, I haven't gone to it. Since I decided to go to it. Because I might sell my Disney Frozen flip-flops there. You guys, by the way, I have a lot of Disney Frozen flip-flops, like um, Olaf ones. All sizes. Uh, <laughs> so um, Dan sees her car outside of the school where she's skinny dipping, and he decides to let himself in to see what she's up to. And just as she's taking off her top, he calls to her, how's the water? So he's like in there. I don't know how this one high school crush should happen to find her. But 
He's like, how's the water in there? She's all embarrassed. She decides to cease the act of taking off her top. And then she finally admits to him why she's there. She's there to go skinny dipping. Okay, get over it, Dan. And then in response, this man fully strips nude on the side of the pool and gets in. The ball's on that guy. Really, truly. I wish, I honestly wish that I had known how big his dick was. I kind of just wanted to see his butt when he I was think it's out. medium. I, this guy I'm not getting BDE from in any capacity, which is a real science, by the way, and I'm upset. Yeah, no, I definitely, I agree. He doesn't have BDE, but he definitely has, I peaked in high school energy. Yeah, I think he's working with like a medium, a medium sized dick. I feel like his dick actually probably rivals Michael's perfectly. Mr. O yeah. also does not have a big dick. No. But you are not a hot teacher fucking a student with a big dick. You're just not. You don't think so? You no, not like outside of porn. Yeah. Like I feel like if you're a teacher with a big dick, you look at a child and you're like, ugh, peace. Like I don't care if you're 17 and it's Canada, peace. Like, yeah, I could okay. literally go get a fucking mature ass bitch. You're right. Okay, Mr. O could have gotten Naomi Campbell. <laughs> Now they're both naked. Now we swim. So he says he hasn't done this in years. Maybe he should get a list of his own. And she asks him if they were dating in high school, if if that, all of that was in her head. And he's like, yeah, it, it was real. And she's like, but you could have had any thin girl back then. And he's like, I didn't want a thin girl. I only wanted you. What a, what a, what a romantic. Like, this is the worst conversation I've ever heard because it's, it's like a, it's like a night, it's being like trapped in a nightmare conversation with a girl that you don't want to talk to at a party, but in high school. Yeah. Where it's like, compliment me, but like also acknowledge that I suck. But like, if you do, like you're going to fucking burn. But also like, I hate myself. So like, you probably can slur me in some way that I'm not even going to pick up on. Like, it's very, like, it's very fucked up. And so he's like, I just wanted you, girl. And so Lori's very surprised to learn out that she was actually the one who dumped him back in high school. Can't finish a damn thing, Lori. I think she has CTE. Like, I don't think that this was her first experience with, or I don't know, CTE is generous. I think she has severe memory loss or something. Something is fragmented in her brain. Hey, maybe she's just uh, good at compartmentalizing. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. I think that I would also remember if I had like a list of names of people that I left buried in another town. My memory does overwrite itself every like six to 10 years, like a complete restart on the hard drive. Yeah. But I would remember if one of my seven things was to forgive my brother or to apologize to my brother. I'd have a pretty clear idea on why it would come to my mind pretty quickly. Yeah, but she didn't like she didn't see that entry in the on the list and be like, "Oh, what did what did I need to tell Will?" Okay, so then knew. when she saw Mary Dan, why didn't she remember? Oh, I dumped him in high school. I think that that's just like one of the things where she reframed the narrative after she left town. She changed what happened. It was that uh, revisionist history where she thought. That it was him, but it wasn't. That actually does sound like something I would do. High school bullshit. Like, you just, you don't remember it. The the reality is not what high schoolers remember. No. Because we're all being traumatized. Literally, like, high school is trauma. Yeah. Like, I, I look at, like, these, 
like kids, like when kids are having like public meltdowns or whatever, I'm just like, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, totally. Like I get it, not just in the sense that like I would do the same thing. I get it in the way that like I remember thinking everything meant everything. Fuck yeah. My life was like a period. Like it was not like <laughs> – it wasn't like a, oh, like there was no ellipsis. Like everything was, it's going to happen this way and we're all going to die. And it happened that way and it's my fault or whatever. Yeah. Play with the queen of hearts. No one in it really smart. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.